Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? Welcome back to Japers Drink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to once again be joined by Rob Parker. How you doing, Rob? Great, Adam. Nice to be back. Hope you had a good vacation and you're ready to get back to it. Yeah, man. It was a great vacation. Uh, I loved it and a uh, little little sad to be back, but at the same time, it's, uh, I'm happy to be here with you. Uh, kind of picking up where we left off, and that's with uh, Dmitry Orlov. Uh, I, I know you had a lot of thoughts about him in our last podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the thoughts maybe are more relative to, to how he fits on the team. I think uh, the disagreement wasn't necessarily about how he um, individually had performed. You know, I think he had a great year, um, <clears throat> really has cut out a lot of the, the easy goals against from his game and, uh, you know, just showing that, that maturity in the decision-making. So there, there's not a lot more you can ask for. He's obviously very dynamic offensively. I think that his skills are kind of flashy. His shot is huge, but he probably is not going to be a, a huge scorer um, if he hasn't gotten there yet, but he doesn't need to be. Um, I, you know, I just don't think that he's the key guy in the defensive core, you know, and I, I wouldn't say he's the number one, the number two, the guy to build around. I think that's really where our disagreement was. Yeah, yeah, I think it's – it's it, it's tough when you're trying to compare him and guys that it, it, they all have different roles, right? I mean, and they fill different different niches. And if we're talking about who to build around, I guess uh, you, you know we have to start talking more about age and stuff rather than just uh, what they've done. No, the not ice, even in the but, one year. I mean, you can. I'm not saying like build a team, but like one year okay. build your defensive core. You know, Matt Niskanen is going to take the tough minutes. You know, John Carlson is going to take a lot of big minutes, and he's going to get a lot of scoring. But if you try to normalize for the quality of teammate somehow and just say like all three of those guys played with like Kempney or Jerevic or Juice or any, any sort of, you know, competent, but not great, not going to carry the pair. Who's going to have the best results. Do you honestly think Orlov is going to kind of carry the heavy lifting and, and take an average defender to a more competent pairing than either Niskanen or Carlson? I don't know. Who, who do you have? Like, I'm trying to think of who's like a competent defenseman on the right side, right? Cause 
you know. I mean, first of all, Juice was playing on his offside. Yeah, um, I know. But, but you don't need to but, get hung up on who the specific is. You can just, like, substitute well, bracketed language that says league it's, average it's, defenseman. Just say league average, and, and I mean, the fact that you need to complement more for one kind of skill set than, than some of the others, you know, starts to tell you where your answer is going. I, I don't know if that's true, because it's about specialization, right, I, I guess. But uh, it's it, it's kind of like, maybe it's different for defensemen, but you talk about guys who have the most, you know, game-changing ability from the back end, and I think Orloff and Carlson have, you know, a lot of game-changing ability, and Niskanen's more of a steady presence, and that's kind of what he's been the whole time, and, and we talked before about how I thought he was maybe a little bit less of a steadying presence this year than he'd, he'd been in the past, but the part of that might have just been because the team was worse overall, so he had to, to do a bit more, so. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he crap. got hurt. He yeah. got hurt in their yeah. regular season was was kind of a mess, but I mean, you, you talk about game-changing present, and you're looking only at a very specific definition of that, and you're, you know, ignoring, like, Game-changing presence is also keeping Sidney Crosby from having much of an impact on an entire series and keeping Steven Samkos from having much of an impact in an entire series. Like, that's more of this. Uh, yeah, but I think you kind of need both of those. So I think Orlov does a better job of, of maybe driving kind of possession uh, and keeping that puck out of the hands of the opponents with his uh, passing ability and skating ability, which uh, I think they're they're – both he and Niskanen have skill sets that are very complementary to one another. So, and, and again, this is kind of like an unnecessary argument for us to get into, but, uh, that's okay. Um, it, it's probably, it, it's good to listen to, but I do want to, we're kind of short on time tonight. So maybe, maybe we should focus just kind of on, on Orlov specifically and just kind of, um, you know, how, how would you rank his season and, uh, I, I know when you and I talked about him with, I, I think it was with Alan May actually, uh, like two years ago, or a year and a half ago, um, you know, there was a lot of concern for his game, but a, a lot of those concerns kind of, as you said off the bat, are now gone. So he, he's really improved overall. Yeah, for sure. And he's, he's completely, like, there's no question that he's a top four defender. There's no question that he can pitch in on the power play. Um, his game is, is great now, and, and I think they did a really good job locking him in and, and being patient developing him. Uh, you know, they, he had some coaches who were probably not the most patient, um, defensively speaking. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, with Reardon in, in terms of what his philosophy is and if he kind of embraces some more of the higher risk or law, because obviously – you know, the talent is there. It's just a, a question of, um, what kind of balance they're trying to strike. But, you know, you see some of the, the confidence moves he makes with the puck. And I don't think there's any other defenseman on the team that has like the confidence to pull some of the stuff he has. And it probably drove Barry Trotz crazy, but you know, you see him try to like beat guys at the offensive blue line with no help and, you know, open ice towards the goalie. And, and you know, he's, he's feeling good about his game. So. Um, he can he can probably grow a little bit, but I think we're starting to get to um, you know what you see what is what you get, which is you know obviously a great piece to to slot into a you know, contending top four. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was definitely a big part of the Caps championship run. Um, I I probably give him like a like an eight for the year. What about you? Probably. Um, again, it's like. The regular season was nothing spectacular. You can probably give him a little bit of a, a pass with, you know, some of the injuries and, um, and just the general flux with the team, but that, that goes for a lot of guys on defense, I think. 
but in the playoffs, he was just great. He he was a huge part of um, making sure that that defensive core kept things rolling. And um, you know, he did he did find his you know ways to pitch in. I, I feel like his flash maybe makes you feel like he should give you a little bit more production, and that you know, maybe works against him. But um, the the trajectory for his progression is great, and um, he was you know he was great in the playoffs. So. I wouldn't argue with an eight. I was probably thinking like a seven, just a little, you know, a little bit more than um, kind of what you expect. Yeah, that's that's really fair. Um, I am ready to let's move on to TJ Oshi. Um, Oshi was a guy with the big contract, a lot of expectations. He had um, fifty-one points his first year with Washington, fifty-six the next year, um, and then he followed up this year with only forty-seven points. Uh, in 74 games, and really the big concern was a huge drop-off in his um, shooting percentage, which led to him only having 18 goals instead of 33, like he did the prior season. Um, I mean, we all saw a regression coming for Oshie. Uh, it came, the con- I mean, after seeing the Wilson contract, the Oshie deal doesn't quite look as bad on a AAV perspective, if we're, even if we're only looking at the Capitals, but... Uh, Oshie's tenacity on the puck has made him a valuable asset, and he played a big role in the Capitals winning their franchise's first Stanley Cup. Yeah, uh, he, you know, I'm not even um, convinced that it's a really regression that hit him. Um, he got concussed by that hit from Drew Thornton, and he spent a long period of time. I think he missed a few games, and then he just did not look right for a while. His hands were just off. I mean, maybe that's what it just looks like when regression hits. But I just find it funny that, you know, even when he got back in the line, lineup after that Joe Thornton hit, he still, you know, hands are his game. So when his hands are not working, it, it just didn't look right. Um, I think maybe he tried to fight through that. Uh, but again, you know, he's not the driver there. So if he's a little susceptible to percentages, that, that sort of makes sense to me. He's right in that diamond spot in the power play and he's just, you know, bombs away from there. And, you know, a lot of them are going to go in, but maybe. And you get unlucky for a little stretch and, and, you know, what was he? Seven, seven points from the lower of the two. You go from 51 to, to 44 to 40, or whatever. Yeah. 47. 47 so, this time and 56 last year. Yeah. So a little bit of a drop, but I mean, honestly, um, when you look at the percentages, it's not a huge difference. He still does what he does. And, um, I never thought the contract was going to look bad immediately, you know? So it's like, yeah. I think there's, there's sort of a temptation to be like, Oh, that contract is going to look bad in the fifth year and start thinking that it's going to be bad immediately. But I mean, he's still a really good player. He hasn't broken down yet. So, um, and it's not even just the Wilson contract. I mean, some of the other summer contracts going to guys, yeah. um, that are not nearly, you know, as productive or valuable as Oshi. So, you know, again, who cares? Um, you can usually find a guy to move it. They already got the cup on the contract. So I think he's probably got another two or three years like this. And uh, if they can put him on a second line role or get him ready to even fall to a third line role, they can manage his minutes and, and probably start. They've already started the transition to having Wilson take that top line wing, but I wouldn't be shocked if there becomes a transition where um, Wilson starts taking that top power play. But um, Oh, she was just a crucial, crucial part of their playoff run. Um, his line with Eller and Vrana when Baxter was out, I thought really kind of carried them 
and was a, a major reason that they were able to stay successful when Baxter was out of the lineup. And I think there's going to be a, a need to stay flexible with how they use Oshi, you know, moving forward, uh, because he is kind of a, you know, a versatile guy in that sense. Yeah. I, and when I talk about Oshi, you know, uh, the drop off, I'm not talking about points as much as just his goal total dropping. Uh, he had 26 and 15, 16, then 33, then 18. With his shooting percentage this year being 14.2%, which is much more in line with his 15-16 campaign than his 23% we saw just last season. Uh, and the power play goals were still coming. He, he tallied nine this year versus just seven the year before. Um, I think it will be interesting to see where his production goes, especially if Wilson is given power play time. Um, I, I personally don't think Wilson has the shot for that spot. Um but uh, I mean, he, he's, I don't even know what that means. Troy Brower became a 20 goal scorer in that spot. I mean, if you're a righty that can get around on a one timer, you're good enough for that spot. But, so, but why would you put Wilson there if you already got a guy like Oshie there who's got a better shot? Well, I'm not convinced that Oshie has a better shot. He's got a quick shot. He's got he's good at getting that release off, but. Um, you don't need to change it. I mean, they, they're not forcing it, but as, as yeah. Wilson is quite a bit younger and Oshi continues to age, there's going to be a point where, where Wilson on these two contracts, there's going to be a point where Wilson is the, you know, more capable player unless Oshi just ages like a superhuman, um, which seems unlikely given his style of play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Granted, Wilson's stats aren't boosted by the power play, but his career shooting percentage is 7.8%. So, But every single player that ever takes that spot in that power play yeah, is going to get yeah. a huge boost. So it's not like sure. TJ Oshie is, is like so materially better. He just gets prime looks because of all these open, because of all these uh, open options. I mean, Maybe, honestly, but like, I, I, I would argue that Oshie is materially better than Tom Wilson, and I don't obviously, think that's a stretch. Obviously, no, of course not. But TJ Oshie's shot is not anything special. TJ, like, it's not like you're ever going to see him in any sort of shooting competition. No. It's just because he's dead bullseye and he gets his hands around quickly. Brower probably had a more though. powerful shot, right? But I mean, those are all things. Yeah. Those are things you can learn, but you have to be slippery. But again, like. Could Tom Wilson be better in that spot than Troy Brower? Because they had yeah. a yes, number one power play with Troy Brower. Yeah. So, so like, he's not going to be – and, again, he has to learn a lot of the things that make T.J. Oshie T.J. Oshie. It's not even just being slippery. I mean, T.J. Oshie is a monster on puck retrieval. Exactly. And Tom Wilson hasn't gotten there yet either, but you can see the way he forechecks. You can see he understands angles and defensive plays because he's been successful on the penalty kill. So, you know, he's not – uh, a bad nomination, I guess, or nominee for, you know, replacing some of what TJ Oshie's doing now, but of course it's not going to be an immediate thing. Right now it's, it's absurd to think that Tom Wilson would be a replacement directly for TJ Oshie. Maybe not ever, but yeah. Um, that's, I'm just trying to say that spot is like an easy spot to get points. You don't need to be anything yeah. special. Um, again, if Troy Brower can do it, then any of these idiots can do it. <laughs> yeah. High and wide, Troy Brower. All right, let's talk about um, a guy that cannot be replaced. Uh, Alexander, or actually, sorry, Oshie scores real fast. I'm going to give him, like, uh, four for the regular season and then an eight for the playoffs. Like, put it at, like, a seven. That's fine. I probably would have given him a five for the regular season because I, I think I'm more forgiving over the 
concussion stuff. Uh, I know I'm like doc chat rooming it and diagnosing him from TV, but I'm pretty sure that that was not, you know, normal TJ Oshie, but he was, you know, again, eight in the playoffs for sure. He was a monster. Yeah, that's, no, that's fair. I mean, I'm at a lot of, yeah, he, he didn't look the same. Uh, but a guy who can't be replaced, Alexander Ovechkin, of course. Ovi got really close to getting 50 goals again this year in the regular season. If, uh, New Jersey had not been a bunch of, uh, D-bags, they would have, uh, pulled their goalie there to try to bring that game back to even. They didn't, so Ovi finished the year just one short. Um, and then was a monster on his way to the Capitals' first ever Stanley Cup, including winning the Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoffs MVP. Um, I thought Ovi had a MVP caliber regular season that completely flew under the radar around the league. Um, and really his story in general, I mean, this, this, I mean, uh, when, when the Caps won the cup, I, I was so happy, but a large part of that happiness was really for Alexander Ovechkin, who's a guy that I, I, I've long thought deserved it. So it was really, uh, really quite, quite special. Yeah, of course. Um, it really was, and I I don't disagree that he had, you know, another MVP season in terms of, you know, he is just so crucial to the scoring, and he is every year. I think people are just largely um, tired of talking about it, mm-hmm. and so they, they sort of take it for granted. Um, but again, that said, I don't look at this as, like, an exceptional Alex Ovechkin year. This is, like, a pretty standard Alex Ovechkin year. You know, the real difference was they got, you know, he didn't hit – just ridiculous, you know, butt ends of sticks and posts at the wrong time in the playoffs, and they got production from other players. I mean, his his postseason rates weren't really off. It was just that they got to play a lot more games because he got some other help. So I, I sit here, like, looking at this, just feels weird being like, yeah, he won the con smite. He would have been a, you know, legitimate conversation if you wanted to put him in the, um, the heart or the, you know, Lindsay, whatever. So, why why does it still feel like it's like a five or six season from him, other than you know the cathartic um, Stanley Cup? It, it really felt like steady as she goes. This is what he is, and I think the, one of the annoying parts for me is watching the parade of Canadian, Canadian journalists treating this as like anything other than run of the mill Ovi. Like these people that have to you know justify their prior worldviews, saying, "Oh, well, he changed his game." to the way I have been saying he should have played this whole time to win, and now he finally won versus, like, oh, well, he's just this dude, and it turns out you put him on a really good team and other players step up, and you get a little bit of luck, and he can win just like any other star player. You know, that that sort of introspection is obviously missing, but, um, you know, I guess that's just to say this is the OVI expected, and, um, you know, other than the end season result was nothing, you know, other than we've always seen. Yeah, see, I don't know, because my expectations for him were a lot lower coming off of the previous year's regular season, right? I mean, he had a 33-goal campaign uh, a, a year ago with 69 points on a, a team. Granted, his ice time was down, you know, not as much was required of him. And, and this year, he, you know, he he improved on that goal total by 16. I mean, that, that's a huge improvement. Um and granted, last year was a down year, but but still, I mean, he has he's had down years before. I you know yeah. I'm just maybe maybe um, I've always been a little too optimistic. I can remember when like years ago we had a poll on the rank that was like, will Ovechkin get 
you know, over under one more 50 goal season. And there were actually people that were like, he'll maybe get one more. And he's had like five more since then or something like that. Uh, People, you know, when he had those back to back 30 goal seasons, people were ready to bury him. Um, I was highly critical. I'm not, you know, above all that, but he came back and I was like, all right, well, this dude is just a monster goal scorer. If he has a bad year, he has a bad year, but, um, you know, th- that's not what people were saying changed. People weren't saying, oh, he can't score anymore or he's too old to do that. It's this notion that like, oh, he didn't back check in prior years, but now all of a sudden in his like 14th year in the in the league or whatever, he decided to back check in the playoffs. And that's why they won versus like Evgeny Kuznetsov decided to be the best player in the league for two months and, and they got, you know, timely performances from a whole host of other forwards. It's, it just seems very self-serving to try to recast Ovechkin's performance. Yeah, Rob, I think I think you're right. I mean, it it is bullshit to say that he's really playing better uh, defensively, and that's what turned his game around, or something like that. Um, Ovi has always been a generational talent, and this time the bounces finally went his way. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, pretty much that, and he got a little bit more help from his teammates than he, he usually has. You know, his game has modified. He's not quite the dynamic five-on-five player, but those changes have been much more subtle over time. It's not this, like, you know, year 14, all of a sudden something clicks and he he plays this, you know, different philosophical game. If anything, I think I saw a lot more goals where he was kind of scrambling down by the front of the net, and, you know, that's really how he's going to have to continue to augment his goal totals moving forward, using that size and his hands because he's not going to do it in open ice, but... um you know, he's he's a great player, and I, I, a long time ago, I just kind of resigned myself to making sure I'm not going to underappreciate Alex Ovechkin and what he brings because I felt like, you know, the 65-goal season, we somehow underappreciated, and we got so wrapped up in, um, you know, what he doesn't do or, or some of the ancillary debates that, you know, honestly, it, it's great to just appreciate it. And I think when um, – if you're not one of the bitter rivals, I think most neutral fans probably saw the joy and the expression on his face when they won. And I don't understand how you can help but feel just great for that guy knowing what he's gone through and all the shit he's taken over, you know, having not won to, to finally see it and to see how much it meant to him. I think um, really said everything there is to say about him as a hockey player, as a, you know, a leader and, and what he's kind of put into this journey. Uh, that we've all been so fortunate to watch. Yeah, he's um, certainly a guy that, that that deserves the accolades and has really uh, done more for for DC sports than I think a lot of people will give him credit for. So uh, kudos for Ovi, and uh, you know we might say he met expectations. It was ho hum, but uh, you know I don't think we've given I've given any of the uh, the super tens right the tens that maybe. Don't meet criteria, but, uh, I think if I was gonna give any, it would be to Ovi, but I, I won't do that, so I'll, I'll give him like a, like a seven. It was, uh, I didn't expect him, I, I thought Abe was finally catching up to Ovi, and, and it apparently hasn't. Yeah, I'll just keep it clean, go eight for eight. Um, yeah, that was, that was an awesome run, and couldn't be happier. Yeah. Alright, Rob, so we're gonna wrap it up here, and we're gonna have one more episode left of these rink wraps. Um, to kind of wrap this bad boy up. So uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say today, um, but I really appreciate you taking the time, and I'm, I'm glad we're, we're, we're keeping on them. All right, Strain, welcome back, and, and I look forward to, to closing this out with you.
Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, on behalf of myself and Rob Parker, thanks for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. Uh, as always, please give us a like on Facebook, a follow on Twitter, and uh, reach out to us um, with all your comments. You can find Rob at Rob Parker underscore JR. Right, right, Rob? There's yep. an underscore in there? All right, and yep. I am at Stringham A, and you can also reach us at Japers Rink Radio. Thanks again.